Welcome to the Warrior Families Movement, where we learn how to create lives and homes in which you and your family are all passionately engaged in using your gifts and the fight for good. I'm your host, Karen Bates, and I'm excited to journey with you as we learn to let go of the weights of distraction, perfectionism, comparison, and control so we can freely walk with courageous purpose and loving presence on our unique paths. Each episode is designed to shine light on a step you can take toward your inspired dreams and vision for lifting your family and lighting the world. Hey, welcome back. This is pre-launch week, and today I wanted to share a presentation I did for an online conference about how to prepare our children to use their smartphones wisely. And so I think this is an important topic, which is why I wanted to share it here in this pre-launch week. Um, Smartphones or social media or, you know, access like that can really derail our children and demotivate them from doing the important work that they're here to do. And so it's important that we learn how to gauge their readiness and how to evaluate it as they practice and learn how to use these important tools for good. So if you are interested in learning more, there is also a little ebook and um, mini course on the website just under free resources. Um, And I hope you enjoy this presentation. Hi everyone, my name is Karen Bates and I am really excited to be here today to talk to you about this really important topic of smartphones. I think it's something that's probably on a lot of our minds because they're everywhere and we're trying to raise children in this culture that's pretty different than how most of us grew up. You know, most of us didn't have this constant information and constant stimulation all the time. And um, our children are growing up with this feedback and we want them to be able to thrive and to navigate um, their way through these really powerful tools in a way that will be wise instead of being drowned and and thwarted by them. And so it's good that we're taking a little time out of our day-to-day to really think about how we want to handle this in our families and make a plan for how to move forward in a way that will be healthy for our kids. Um, before I go into some of those things, I want to quickly introduce myself. Like I said, my name is Karen Bates. I'm the mother of eight children, ages 3 to 20. My oldest just got home from her mission as a missionary in Houston, and my second son just graduated from high school. And then I have two teenagers, 16 and 14, and then my little ones are 3, 7, 9, and 11. And so we are very busy over here, but it's been so good to have everybody home at this time, and we've just been having some fun adventures. And I'm also the author of the book, Find Your Path, Learn Your Part in the Fight for Good, and the creator of the Warrior Journey program, where I help mothers learn to put away their false beliefs and expectations and move forward in their unique path in a way that will lift their family and change the world. And so this topic of smartphones is is really dear to me and something that I think a lot about because it's a topic that has a lot of false expectations and beliefs around it. And, and it's important that we look at those and really be intentional about how we're going to use these really powerful tools. And so to start off, I want to talk about the power principle. This is something that kind of really hit me when I was watching, you know, I have uh, my two middle middle-ish boys. Um, they're seven and no, nine and 11 now. And they kind of feed off each other's energy and they love to tease and, and they really enjoy teasing their little sister and each other. And it really kind of having five boys, I noticed that boys in particular really love to tease and girls do too sometimes, but they 
just, um, I, I, and then I couldn't wrap my mind around it because that's not my personality at all. I'm kind of a people pleaser. So I didn't understand how they could enjoy making people cry so much. And it just kind of hit me one day that it's just, they're experimenting with power, you know, as you're teasing someone else and they get a big reaction out of that, it gives them the sense of power. And they're noticing that they have power over somebody else. And that person, of course, doesn't have to give them that power. But when you're little, they haven't practiced not letting other people um, control your emotions as much. It just seems to be a natural and more predictable reaction. And so these, as I watch these, these kids do this and, and practice not being affected by it and practice not doing it so much and using their, their ability, um, their power for good. I realized that um, we, it hit me, you know, that we all have this gift of agency where we can choose how to use our power to influence others, you know, for good or for ill. And this incredible power within us grows as we use it. Um, when we use things, when we allow other things to have power over us, um, it can uh, start to diminish our own power. And that's when we start to get into the victim mode, where we start to blame everybody else for the different for our different feelings and for our reactions, because we're feeling like everybody else has power over our lives. But when we become instead, when we use those, when we exercise that power and it grows, that's how we become creators. And we realize that we are the creators of our life and our emotions and our, um, how we choose to live and we can influence others as well for good and for making, um, better choices as we set the example and, and try to invite them to do so. So this power principle, the way it applies to, to smartphones is that a smartphone is a very, is a power tool. It's got a lot of power within it to draw us. And you know, the people who create them are very wise in helping us get addicted to them. You know, the whole scrolling thing and the buttons and the constant um, immediate feedback. It's very easy for us to get drawn into them. And so if our children are very little and they haven't learned to use their own power, this powerful power tool is going to drown it out and they're going to start being um, controlled by it instead of controlling it. And so it's very important before we allow our children to use a cell phone and then eventually to own one that they have developed that personal power to the point that it's not going to overpower them. And so today we're going to talk about five principles or five ways that we can help them increase that power and and how to know when they are ready to move forward to to um, first use a cell phone and then to own a cell phone and I have a little um, handout I don't know if I can upload it here or I have it on my website as well but it kind of shows you um, if I can upload it here I'll go ahead and do that um, but it shows you it has like a little check box um, checklist of how to know when your child is ready and the actions that they'll they'll be making in order to show that they have increased that internal power so that they will be able to move forward in a wise way with their smartphones. And so um, the first principle is chores and responsibility build character. So we all know it's important to give our children jobs so that they can have a good work ethic but it's also so that they can start to gather evidence about what it feels like to be a hardworking person and to serve others. And so 
they become that kind of people that can do hard things because it's right, even if they don't feel like it. So um, a lot of times we feel like we've got to make work fun so that our kids want to do it. But part of the nature of work is to learn to do it even when we don't want to. I remember when I first got married and I had my first baby. She was born two days before our first anniversary. And it was I was in shock. <laughs> I just had no idea how hard it was to take care of a baby. And I had grown up, well, so my mom grew up in some really, really difficult circumstances. And she wanted her kids to not have to suffer as much as she did. And she um, loved us so much and she worked so hard for us. Um, but I didn't have a lot of... Um, really hard jobs to do growing up because my mom wanted to us to avoid some of the pain that she had to experience. And so when I was um, first a mom, I was just shocked at how difficult it was to take care of another person. And I was sleep deprived and, and just so out of, I felt like I was in the twilight zone, right? And I remember walking into the kitchen one day and seeing the pile of dishes. And, you know, I, now it probably would seem like a tiny pile because I have eight kids now. So our dish pile looks a lot bigger. But at the time, it just felt so like so much. And not just because of that particular pile, but because I realized like I have to do this for the rest of my life. Like I just signed up to clean the house and wash it just every day for the rest of my life. And it just felt so dark, this life I'd chosen um, at this period of, of my life. And I and I just remember getting the dishes and starting to wash them and just tears coming down my face, just feeling like, why, what did I get myself into? I don't, I don't like this, you know? And then as I would start to wash the dishes, it started to not feel quite so bad. And, and then I would get insights about certain things. And, and then I got done and I felt, you know, good inside. And, and I thought, you know, I can, I can do this. And I was really building my character dish by dish and, it's important that we teach our children that that's what they're doing. Housework seems so temporary sometimes. Why do I make my bed? It gets messy again when I go to sleep in it at night. And when I have to vacuum, it's just going to look messy again tomorrow. And it feels so temporary. But when we realize that every time we work and do something to make the world have a little more order or a little more beauty, we're also building ourselves and we're building our character. We're increasing that power within us. It's not at all temporary. It's very eternal then we can move forward with a little more joy and a little more light in what we do. And we can become the kind of people who do hard things, even though they don't feel like it because they know what it does and how it makes them feel after. So it's important that our kids learn to gather that evidence and to start down that path. In our home, one way we do this, and you know, if you're writing things down and taking notes, um, maybe you can start brainstorming. Okay, so chores and work, how can I help my children start to see that these are eternal and how do we get into some routines that they can start to develop that character? Um, one thing that we do in our home is that we don't allow like books or um, screens or any, you know, for the older kids or any um, outdoor time or anything like that until they pass off their jobs and their skills for the day we homeschool. So they also have skills that they got to pass off, like their math and writing and things like that. Um so that they can, you know, then have the privilege, I guess, of learning, you know, where it comes first. And um, that's one way that I don't have to nag because they they don't have all those, those things are a privilege and then they will earn them once they're done with their, with their duty. And so that's one way that we do it. And maybe you can be brainstorming some ways that you can apply this to your family. 
Um, principle number two is play grows imagination. So our children aren't going to be able to dream big if they haven't had the time and the space to create and to play. So one of the things my boys like to do is to build forts. They like to go <clears throat> out in the field behind our house and find stuff and sticks and different things and, and make forts. And uh, sometimes the forts fall because of windstorms or people come and take them down or, you know, they just aren't very sturdy. And so they have to figure out new ways to to make them bigger and better and, and more sturdy. And that's really how our children learn to create is through experimenting and trying and seeing what fails and, and what works. And they need to have the time to do that. And so a lot of times when we give our children something that's going to take away some of their power or to distract them before they're ready, then then they don't develop that like they could. We fill their lives with so many things that they don't have the space to be their own creators. They're always being told what to do. And so it's really important that we don't have such busy schedules that we're not giving our children time to play. And also the kind of toys we give them are also very important. If we're giving, giving them battery-powered toys that are there more to entertain them, then they are using the power within the toy more than they're using their with their internal power that they've got to exercise to be creative. And so the simpler the toy, the better, because then they have to use their own power, which is exercises and helps it grow. And so giving our children simple toys and giving them space is really important for this ability to create and to, to grow in that power. So that's principle two. Principle three is stories inspire. Our children need to have a reservoir of stories. I recently read to my children the story of Johannes Gutenberg, and we talked about how he had access to a monastery as a young child, and he was able to read a lot of books that most people did not have the privilege of reading. The manuscripts had to be written out by hand, and so it was very expensive to get a copy of your own Bible. But he was able to, to read at an early age, and he wished that other people would be able to have their own books as well. And one day he decided to start traveling and learning and figuring out what he wanted to do with his life. So he set out on foot. And as he was traveling, he came to a place called, I can't remember, but he met a man named Lawrence Coster, who um, had learned to, or he had figured out ways to carve letters backwards on these um, pieces of wood and he started printing little books with these letters and this fascinated Gutenberg who went to him and asked him how he did it and and played around with some of his letters and then decided he was going to do something to help this um, new idea develop into a way that he could print books and so as you know he spent a lot of years trying to make a, a way to do this and he made several printing presses but people would get very suspicious about him and he was kicked out of neighborhoods because they thought you know he was doing something that was and especially the people who wrote manuscripts or who um who were worried that he would take away their livelihood they especially persecuted him and and stirred up prejudice against him so that he was um kicked out from place to place and Eventually, um, he, he was able to live peaceably for a few years and and do the things he wanted to do. But as we read the story, one of my sons pointed out, it seems like all of these inventors we're reading about usually have a lot of people 
who really hate them for a while and think that they're crazy before their ideas are really brought forward and, and change the world. And I love that he pointed this out. And I said, that is so true. So when you guys have ideas and you have thoughts about a way that maybe could influence others and other people say that you're crazy or that it can't happen or that, you know, it's not possible. Remember these guys. I remember that everybody thought about them that way, too. And, and they persevered and they pushed forward. And that's why they were able to change the world. And so as our children start to learn these different stories about different people, they start to develop this reservoir of, again, evidence of what it looks like to be the kind of person that makes a difference and, and inspires them to want to be those kind of people as they read about them. And so one of my favorite places to get really good, inspiring stories is Libraries of Hope. Um, I think it's welleducatedheart.com, I believe is a website, or you can just Google Libraries of Hope. But we love their Great Life series, and they just have a lot of different series, and they're free online, or you can purchase the physical books as well. But they are just so inspiring and so good for kids to, to learn. So even just reading one little story a day or reading from a chapter from a classic or something is incredibly important in helping them increase that power and that inspiration to do something good. So principle number four, connection motivates. So have you ever thought about that just, you know, a few hundred years ago, if you wanted to hear beautiful music, you had to go find someone who knew how to play an instrument or sing a song, had a beautiful voice. Um, and now, you know, with just the click of a button, we have access to all the libraries of best classical music ever written and many, many more. And it's just incredible the power that's in one little phone, right, to give us stories and music and really information, anything we really want to know. Um, but if you've ever let your phone run out of battery and you're sitting there holding it, you know, it's just a black screen. It's not going to do anything for you. And even if you try to push buttons and try to get it to work, if it's out of battery, it does no good. It has no power to do anything. And we are the same way. So when we are not um, charged and and have no connection to our source of power, we really can't do much on our own. And so when we're talking about increasing our power, increasing that motivation and that, um, that ability to create within us, it's really very much about connection, staying connected to our source of power so that it can grow and be more a part of us. And so the, these two principles, principle four and principle five, are kind of related. But this one is about how we connect to our source of power. One way that we do this in our home is that we have our children. Um, I always felt a little funny about like requiring scripture study or something like that. So instead, what we do is in our morning devotional, I ask the kids to share something that they learned from their personal scripture study. And so it becomes an expectation that they've read their scriptures either the night before or the morning before our, our devotional. And it doesn't mean that they always do. Sometimes they'll say, oh, I forgot to read my scriptures or I haven't had time to yet or whatever. But at least they're having this reminder and they know it's expected part of their day. And um, they're being held a little bit accountable to themselves to do that. And so that's one way. And then I'll also share something that I learned from my scripture study so that I can share the example and I can share the light that's within me that came to me as I was recharging my battery and reading my scriptures. So 
that is one way that we can start to do that. And then also starting to teach our children that when they're feeling off or angry or, or just not quite right, that they always have the ability to recharge, to go to that source of power through prayer, through music. And, you know, we can teach them a variety of ways to feel their heart again and to get into the practice of remembering to do that when, when their emotions are telling them that their connection is off. That brings me to principle five, which is that relationships connect. So I want to share a little story that happened with my son a couple of years ago, but it's been itched to my memory because it taught me an important principle. I was stirring some soup because I was getting ready for guests that were coming over that day. And I had been busy trying to get a lot of things in. I was feeling a little bit stressed um, about how many things I still had to do. And I'm sure my kids were feeling some of that stress, so there was a little bit of fighting between them. And one child in particular had been teasing his siblings all day, and it was starting to kind of get to me. And so I heard this cry from upstairs, and it was my son that's just younger than him. And he said, Mom, Josh, oh, I just told you his name. <laughs> Josh broke my fort. And I... And I'd been working on it all morning and he had, he'd been making this, you know, fort with blankets in the toy room and it had chairs and all these different things. And Josh had gone in and, and broken it. And I said, Josh, you know, why did you do that? You've been working on it so hard. And he said, well, he wasn't letting me go in it. And James said, well, I wasn't done. And so they're having this argument and I was trying to get more and more upset with this child because, you know, I, I was, he was just not being very kind. And I, I couldn't go upstairs just then. And it was a good thing because my fists were clenched and I was just upset. Not that I would hit him, but, you know, I just would have a bad reaction. And um, a little, I told him, I'll be up there in a minute. I'm almost done. And it was some, I was making something that you had to kind of keep stirring. And then a little bit later, I heard my little girl say something about how Josh had taken her toy. And, and he's like, well, she wasn't sharing. And there was, you know, some more. So I was starting to get pretty upset, but by the time I got done stirring, I had calmed down a little bit, and I ran upstairs to talk to Josh. Um, but before I went in his room, I noticed that his door was, he was in his room, and the door was cracked just a little bit. So I, I caught a glimpse of him inside, and he had his hand, his head buried in his hands, and he just looked really frustrated with himself. And my mind went back to the day before, when he, we had been having this conversation um, and he had said, my goal for tomorrow is to um, be really kind and to, and to do some service for my brother and sister so that, um, so that I can, you know, not tease them, but instead be really nice. So he was going to, he had this goal in his mind. Right. And I just remember feeling how he was feeling at that moment when I made goals and then they just kind of go out the window. And I noticed that I just totally messed up. And so I had empathy for him before I walked into the room. And I looked at him and I said, Josh, do you need a hug? And he just started to cry and he came over and he gave me a hug. And, and then we talked and, and I said, what's been going on? And he said, well, I was trying to be nice, but then this person, he kind of explained to me some of the things that had happened. And I asked him, well, what do you think you can do when that happens next time? And he had some ideas and, I said, so in order to feel better now, what can you do? And he's like, well, I can go say sorry and I can try to make it up and, and do nice things. And, and he went off with a good feeling in his heart about how he was going to fix things and make things better and with a repentant, humble attitude. And 
it just hit me. Um, I know that was a lesson from the spirit because it was not at all how I felt like I should react, you know, after he'd been bad to go and give him a hug, but it felt right because that spirit had softened my heart by helping me remember what that feels like. And then I was able to go and help him soften his heart. If I had gone in with this, this, Josh, what are you doing? He would have been defensive and told me about all of the mean things everybody else had done to him that day. But instead, because I went to him with a softened heart, it inspired him to soften his heart and he was able to change. And so this principle is just how um, our relationships, when, when I am connected to my source of power, my kids can connect to their source of power through me until they are connected to him on their own. And I think that's a big part of what we do as mothers is learn to connect to our source of power so that our kids are connected to that source through us. And um, one way that we can do this is, of course, to watch our own emotions and to start to notice when we're feeling a little off and a little um, um, overwhelmed or frustrated and to remember to connect and to and that, that that's our most important job. It's not always to correct or to make sure that things are always done fairly, but to be connected so that we know how to connect our children back to their source of power so that it can grow and they can have that relationship that is strong and ready to withstand those temptations of the phones and the distractions that are going to come their way. I want to mention that the word inspiration means that we are being inspired or that we are in the spirit. In other words, our ability to inspire ourselves and others is in direct correlation to how much of God's spirit is in our hearts. Our children can be inspired to use their smartphone in a way that will lift them and the people around them if they have that strong foundation of the spirit and are grounded in it as they use it. So in order for them, for us to know that they have that strong foundation and that they're ready for it, we are going to make sure that they have these five things in place. So the first one we talked about was practice in working hard at home and doing their duty without complaining, especially when they don't feel like doing it. Two, they're going to have enough imagination that they are rarely bored and often use their time to create content instead of, being, instead of consuming it and that they're using their, their creativity to uplift others. Three, they're going to have a reservoir of stories to draw on for inspiration and in doing their own hard things. And to and that they're going to have a way that they're going to continue being inspired by stories. They're not just neglecting that anymore, but they're going to continue putting story, new stories in their lives. Four, they're going to have a habit of seeking God and making plans to follow him each day, starting with serving in their own family. And then five... They're going to have a connection to their family and to others who are striving to follow God and that they're going to be working on those relationships, not neglecting them. So when they have these five foundational things in their lives, um, they are ready to start practicing using a cell phone. And when we notice that sometimes in their practice that it starts to pull them away from some of these foundational things, then we know that it's time to pull back, maybe have a media fast for a while, maybe kind of re go out in nature and recharge and remember what our priorities are, and then start off again with a little bit of practice and, and build on it as they start to use their own power to influence and to have power over these devices and, and, and to be careful because they can easily overpower them when they're weak. And so it becomes a little bit of a, a practice for a while um, before they leave our homes. We hope that they'll be prepared to, to know the tools and to have the ability to measure themselves and to know when the phone is overtaking them and how to stop 
reevaluate and move forward in a more intentional way. Hey, thanks so much for listening. Will you please rate, subscribe, and share this podcast with your friends so that we can grow this warrior family movement and encourage one another in using our unique gifts in the fight for good. And if you'd like to know more about the Warrior Journey program, the events, the school, or any other resources, please visit awarriereducation.com. And I'll see you there.